Hey, what's up, and welcome to the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live only on theexposedradio.com. I want to say, first of all, we are, see, and I was about to do it, and I looked at the thing. And it, no, I was just going to tell you, you know, your background not on, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> Shoot, you are live. You are live, though. I was well, just laughing I mean, because I, knew, I didn't realize because... that your background was annoying. I, I don't like that one. I'll use that one. How's everybody go, doing today? I Again, I'm your host, Nate, and we're here. Uh, and see, that's what I'm saying. I forgot. I forgot all of them. So we're on. Don't forget, we're broadcasting. If you missed the show, well, you can have options to tune in. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Periscope. Uh Oh, now you put it up. I already decided. I had to think about what it is. So we are on other platforms as well where you can find the show on um, after we broadcast. But we're broadcasting live currently from Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, and Twitch. So get into it. And we're here. Uh, today I have a special guest, uh, a former uh, host on the BXO's radio uh, platform, Mr. Merv Bourne, uh, Mervin Bourne. Uh, he's an author, uh, a uh, media personality, um, public speaker, a lawyer, a number of things. But he'll he'll give you his rundown once he gets here. I don't want to leave anything out of his bio. Uh, but I'm here today. Um, first of all, I'm getting a little frustrated. I started the day with a toothache. So this has been like a three month. It's going to be four and a half, I think five months of this process of me getting work done to um, uh, on my teeth and try to make sure everything is copacetic in there and everything. So I woke up, woke up this morning with a horrible toothache and nothing will sit you down like a toothache. And I am trying my best. It's, it's gone away now, but it's, it, I realized even in me um, taking the medicine that they gave gave me for it, um, a toothache is going to be a toothache to the decides it doesn't want to be a toothache. And um, I don't take the real hard stuff because I'm not into uh, drugs in that way. Uh, but I'm really getting it together and really trying to, I could not focus all day long. So I didn't want to watch TV. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I, I had an issue with um, the Postal Service. Um, and people right now, um, if you can hold off on your deliveries, hold off on them. Uh, if you can give people the, those things in person or if you want to wait until after the holiday season, because they always are crazy for the holidays and they acting like it's just because of COVID that they're having issues. But I mailed some stuff off and it's within the city <laughs> and it still hasn't gotten there since the third of this month, which is ridiculous. 
Um, but um, and I've mailed that same day. I've had several jewelry packages um, that I was delivering from various people, um, including somebody in California, someone in Texas, someone in New Orleans. All of that got all from the same day, got their packages and two people from Baltimore still waiting on their packages. So get yourself together, Baltimore Postal Service. Get get it together. And I don't want to keep hearing um the hell. Um, I don't want to keep hearing about COVID-19. If you're understaffed, we keep hearing that they're understaffed, that they are a little behind. And two of my packages in this city that was mailed on the third are still waiting to get their packages, which is totally ridiculous. But, you know, that's something totally different. Um, but um, other than that, so I had a two pick today and I realized I don't do well with pain. I've never done well, well with pain, and uh, I didn't think today was going to be possible for the show because I just had to sit down, and I and I took a nice long shower, hot shower, and I tried to just calm myself down. I ate something, and it's probably it's probably just because I didn't eat anything. So the first one I took didn't really help, but yeah. So I'm back. I'm doing pretty well, as you can see. I'm wearing some of my jewelry. Uh, Vashtop Blue Jewelry is still doing its its first, the first of many. Hopefully, I do this every year. I can do this every year. Um, I'm planning to do it every year. But I am doing a, a giveaway, a $100 giveaway to one special person who made a purchase either in person or through my website. Uh, www.bashtopbluejewelry. If you look at the look at the corner to the right, you'll see the emblem, the little old, uh, business card floating around. Um, so you can go to the website again. www.beexposedradio. I say be exposed What is wrong with me today? www.bashtopbluejewelry.com. And between now until the twentieth, if you make twenty-first, if you make a purchase, you'll be entered into our raffle drawing, our holiday raffle drawing that will get you um, a $100 prize, but it will take you, uh, it will take you actually uh, winning, uh, making a purchase. So every purchase that you make, so if you buy five pairs of earrings, that's five entries um, into it. I, I think my mind just went away for a quick second. So if you make five purchases, you get five entries. If you buy three things, you get three entries. And no matter what you buy, how many purchases you make, you'll get an entry into the uh, raffle. And I'm very excited. And I'll be unveiling the actual partner that is doing this with me shortly. We're working on all of their their stuff. So they're helping me uh, with this as I help them with their marketing and branding. So Stay tuned for that. We'll be doing the drawing live on air on the 21st of December, uh, doing the show live. So we'll do the actual drawing then. And I'm really excited because a lot of people have really been supporting either buying things off the website or coming to our pop-up shop every Saturday from 12 to 5. Um, the address is on our page. So you can go to either the Artist Exchange page or Bash Shop Jewelry page and you'll find all of that lovely stuff uh, there. Uh, but we have a, a guest today, and I'm really excited about having him on. Uh, but we, where today we're going to do three different topics today. We're going to talk a little bit about what he does as an entrepreneur, 
as a lawyer, as a writer, as just a man, a black man doing his thing out here in the world. We will also bring up a couple of different topics. We can talk a little bit about this meme that has been floating around uh, the internet. Um, and the first half of the meme, the top of the meme, is you show a mother telling her son not to cry. And then at the bottom half, you see that same mother asking her son to show some type of emotion. Um, and it's the same mom, it's the same child. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what that image has meant to many people that I've had conversations with uh, based on me responding to many people who post that and then looking through their comments. Um, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about um, this, what, how black men are being portrayed in today's world. If y'all don't realize it, um, we're gonna talk a little bit about our current um, mayor, um, our comptroller, and our, um, what is it called? Oh, what is Mosby's uh, title, Marnie? Council president. Council, city council president, uh, are all three men. And the last time that type of thing has happened, it was when Sheila Dixon was here and she had a, a woman comptroller, a woman city councilman, uh, a woman, two women senators, I believe as well as uh, her city council person and herself as mayor. So we're now, the it's shifted and it's all three men that are in charge of our city now. And not only are they in charge, but they're three young, well, two of them are young black men, <laughs> but it's, it's not something that I ever thought that I was gonna see. And just the imagery of it, um, we're gonna talk a little bit about that a little bit later on. We have actually have a photo the first photo op of the two of them together, both our city councilmen as well as our um, uh, mayor. And what does that mean? What does that imagery mean to a city like Baltimore? We're gonna talk a lot about some men issues from the perspective of two black men. So if he's here, you can bring him right on in. If you can't, there you go. How you doing, sir? I'm great. I'm great. Glad to be great. here. How you? I'm doing good. Uh, so, what you been up to lately? Uh, I've been working a lot of working, working hard. Um, but happy, <laughs> uh, you know how it is what, for for those of us that are always on a mission. You know, mm. uh, work takes priority over sleep a lot of times. But but it's still right. fun. You know, you you uh, trying to live in your purpose and trying to continuously seek your purpose and and uh, do what we got to do out here. So it's, it's been, it's good. Life is good. So you are a lawyer, correct? Yes. So how has it been with, because at one point the courts were closed down. How has mm -hmm. it been still seeing your clients or working within the confounds or restrictions of this uh, pandemic? Yeah, it's been really interesting because um, we've had to adjust. So on one hand, uh, it, well, at first, like everything was shut down, and then um, most court systems have evolved to a place where we're we're doing certain things online and through video mm -hmm. conferencing and over the telephone and things like that. Um, but there's just not the capacity to run the entire court system that way. So a lot of mm -hmm. uh, you know, cases and hearings have been put off, and uh, wow. a lot of put off. So you know, from the perspective of it really just depends on your perspective. If you're a defendant who uh, has, is eager for your trial to start, you know, then you're, you're not happy. And if you're a victim of a crime um, who is eager yeah. 
for justice, then you're really just on pause. So a lot of people are going to be on pause in terms of having their cases heard for well over a year, possibly even another year. Uh, you know. Wow. And it was, I mean, it was often it was a process already. So now is it on a priority basis or, the, you know, the severity of the, the case or how do they choose what comes first? No. You're, you're exactly right. So t- in, in, in most places, cases where defendants are locked up right now will take priority, mm-hmm. but um, what's taken top priority even over that um, are COVID cases. And a lot of defendants who are um, filing petitions to get out early and uh, compassionate release motions to get released because of COVID or because okay. of some. So... Um, the courts are really overwhelmed with those petitions right now because obviously, you know, COVID is serious. And, um, you know, if you're in, in a jail or a prison, then there's there's only but so much you can do to prevent yourself from catching it. So, yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. And I don't think people are thinking that has been some thought and conversation about it. But I don't think the everyday person is really thinking about people who are behind bars because no. they're just as affected as we are often because they still have individuals that go back and forth to the jails and in terms of personnel. So they're still exposed to it. Um, People are still getting arrested, still being Mm -hmm. sent to jail. So it's people that have been out here that are now in there. So you don't know how it's being translated. I mean, transported around the jail, but I guess that's still a, so are you a criminal attorney? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I, I spoke about you in the beginning, so I, I let them know that you used to be here, uh, along with your illustrious co-host uh, <laughs> on Be Exposed, and you all used to have some really great conversations based off of business and um, just community. Uh, and I wanted to speak a little bit today because you are also an author, and uh, I've loved your book, uh, and Thank I think I left it in my bedroom, uh, but I actually got a chance to kind of breeze through it again, or read through it again, not breeze through it, breeze through it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, based on where we are right now, it still reads a little bit different um, reading it right now, based yeah. on when I first read it. Um, and I, so we're going to talk a little bit about you being an author, and then where you are right now in terms of your entrepreneurship outside of your your day job. Um, and because I've been seeing some things with you on social media, uh, mm-hmm. but I wanted to start with um, the conversation that I've been having with a lot of people. Uh, and Vonnie, if you can show that image, you can put it up, uh, the cartoon clip. So there's an image that's going around and I don't think you can actually see it, Merv. So I'll send it okay. to you. Um, and there's an image of a mother telling her child not to cry. I just sent it to you in a message. Sorry, I didn't send it to you earlier. Uh, and she's telling her son to stop crying. Uh, and and that that way that we all heard a mom say it before, uh, before I give you something to cry about uh, <laughs> type of tone. Uh, and then later on in that same child's life, you see that same mother now trying to get some type of emotion out of that child. Um, and, and many of the conversations that I've been having um, online about this one image, and I've been a part of a men's group that we talk about a lot of issues like this, um, that idea of Black men being suppressed in their um, emotions. 
and how that then affects us as we grow into adults and how we interact with other people. And I remember us having that conversation before when I was a guest on your show and how that, that idea of what happens to young men who aren't allowed to feel or are their feelings are put into a controlled situation. Um, can you speak anything about um, your opinion or your perspective on that idea of men not being able to feel, just generally not being able to feel and it be taken seriously or even allowed to be uh, a thing? Sure, sure. I mean, there's so many elements to that. Many of them are cultural, some mm -hmm. of them racial, um, some of them are economic. So uh, if you if you come from a household where you have both of your parents and you have a model of a mother and a father, you have a model of masculinity and femininity, mm -hmm. and you have um, two parents that are both um, emotionally mature, then right. um, you don't have the same issues as you have in a household where there's only one parent um, who's more often than not going to be a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're uh, poor, you're going to have different issues than if you're rich. If you're uh, a black person in America, especially if you live in uh, what's referred to as the inner city, anywhere in America, there are going to be different parenting considerations. Um, so one of the things that um, I noticed when I was, you know, doing research for my book and speaking to all the people I was speaking to and just um, throughout, you know, my work um, mm -hmm. community in different uh, urban areas in America um, is that when mothers are raising boys um, and there's not a man in the home, uh, mm -hmm. what ends up is that individual mom will make her best guess as to what she thinks manhood is right and it's all based on her perception um and then experience she, right and, and her own personal experiences and which include how she was raised if she had a father in the house um or did not if she mm -hmm. did father was he if she had other male figures in her life like whether it was uncles or mother's boyfriends or you know whoever it was what kind of men were they and how did they treat mm -hmm. her um, you know, all of those things play will play into fast forwarding to the future of what kind of mother she is and what her idea of what it means to be a boy and to be a man is. And she's right. going to put that on her child. And sometimes, you know, it's very positive and sometimes it's very negative. Mm. And that, and I'm noticing from the comments, even from the perspective of women, you mm -hmm. know, there's still variations of how people feel about, you know, this one issue. Um, right. And it all draws to one conclusion, you know, it, and it almost feels like as a, especially speaking as black people, because mm -hmm. uh, I don't think you've been ever any other race in your life, <laughs> but I have been. Uh, but speaking from that perspective, I think we forgot that we have created this culture of toxic masculinity or the suppression of black men and, and their ability to show emotion. And I, I think we we admonish men or you know point out to men often, you know, about not being able to show emotions or not having that type of uh, relationship with other people. We do that often and we forget that we are part of this cycle 
and a part of the process <clears throat> of not allowing men to feel things. And I, because a lot of the comments, especially from they don't understand what's going on or they don't know why men are like this. And I think maybe they have forgotten that many of them, especially the mothers, you know, and it's no fault of their own, but it's just based on their experience that they taught men this behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, they taught men. And most times men don't have any other outlets. And when we do, they're normally unhealthy outlets. You know, that we normally go to our friends for advice on serious topics. And most times those same friends were in the same boat as us. So the information that we're getting is like recycled toxic behavior. And I'm wondering, what can we do about it? Your book kind of shares your story or a story Mm -hmm. on a young man in his growth process. Can you go a little bit into telling us, one, about the book uh, and and why you felt the need to write that book? Sure. So um, the book is called A Single Mother's Guide to Raising a Son. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt the need to write the book because I was raised by a single mother from around uh, seventh, eighth grade going forward um, mm-hmm. and a relationship with my father up until um, probably resuming in my mid twenties, um, very tangentially. Um, and, and we've gotten a lot closer now um, and into my thirties, we, we've gotten closer, but um, for that gap, he wasn't there. And so mm-hmm. when I went, as I went through, you know, um, my, uh, graduate education, my undergraduate education, my graduate education, um, working in corporate America um, and working in, you know, with the court system and with the child welfare system, I started to see trends and patterns over and over and over again. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was the, the undercurrent that, that tied through all of that um, was that most men, especially black men in America are being raised by women. And um, to the extent that that's not going to change in the next five to 10 years, um, I felt like socially um, and for the sake of political correctness, there is a lot of dancing around the fact that if you're a woman who's raising a boy by yourself or Mm -hmm. and not in the house, then the responsibility is yours. And um, you know, whatever the causes are, whatever the reasons are, at the end, it falls on your shoulders. And so there are certain things that while you're guessing at them because you don't, you have no other alternative. So Mm -hmm. I I wanted to create something that would be based on not only my experience, but um, the experiences of that are reflected in all these different aspects of society and basically present it to women so that they have some insight from a male perspective uh, and mm-hmm. from was a boy raised into what it is that they're aspiring to do, which is raise mm-hmm. some um, successful men. And so instead of guessing, I wanted to present um, my version of a blueprint. But some of those, and I'm telling you, and, and we've had this conversation before and I, um, I still want to, maybe one-on-one figure out a way that we can have that conversation because we had a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. um, based on our last conversation and a lot of that not knowing has long-term effects. 
Absolutely. Whether it was maliciously done or by design or just happenstance or whatever that may be, it had a lot of long-term effects. And I'm actually in the process of writing a book and you're definitely going to be somebody who I reach out to at some point as well, because there were certain things that I did not feel comfortable talking about. Like I don't feel comfortable making my mother a monster for being a single parent because right. I know it that took two people to be in something and it not work out. Uh, and that and to walk right where yeah one of there there's a word that a lot of people run away from and it's called accountability right mm, yeah really fine line to walk between holding mothers accountable and and just so people because I don't I think people often underestimate like what the numbers are that we're talking about yeah. um it's it's for black people in America the numbers are in the neighborhood of eighty percent so if mm -hmm. you're black that there's an 80% chance that there's there's no man in your house. Right. right? So and so with now with that comes accountability, but there is a very fine line to walk between accountability and blame, right? Yeah. And so a lot of people, as soon as you mention anything that even feels like or sounds like accountability, mm -hmm. it's interpreted mm -hmm. blame and it's and it's rejected. So in order for us to ever really address the issue. Until we turn things around, if, if, if as a society, well, one, we have to decide, is that a goal to turn things around? Um, is it a goal for us to return to a time where men have male models in their home? Or have we just given up on that and discarded it as unnecessary and, and, no, and a thing of the past? If that is something that we wish mm. to return to at some point, or if that is something that we do see value in, in the meantime, we ought to figure something out to mm. bring boys into successful men. And that, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's my, um, and I'm, I'm saying, uh, that is, that was in, in me writing the book. And I don't know if you shared that. It was just certain things that I had started jotting down with my editor and, and trying to figure out, uh, how I, uh, how I speak about it so much so that a part of the process of the book now and, and just giving a little bit of, of what it will sound like, I'm actually having a therapist walk alongside me and the editor as we do this, because I want to make sure I'm whole in this process and I'm speaking to people through this book. And I want to make sure that that interaction and that um, initial conversation that I'm bringing forth is healthy. I don't want to come off as a scarred individual or uh, a person who's looking backwards the whole time. Yeah. I want to be very forward thinking and, and very purposefully and intentional in my conversation. Uh, and I, I think we, and I think the reason people don't really talk about that accountability thing so much right now is because now there's this big push for black love. So you're seeing more fathers than ever, than I've ever seen, be a part of um, their children's life and want to make a bigger effort. We It was very rare if you was a child of the 80s to have had that um, or that whole welfare mom thing that, that was prevalent maybe in the 70s and then carried over into the 80s. And subsequently now we in the 2000s and we're still having the same issue. But I think many different cultural uh, um, changes have made us forget that 
even today, there may be a dad in the house, but that may not be the birth dad or that right. may not be the best dad uh, mm-hmm. uh, in that child's life, so to speak. Right. Uh, so that I'm wondering how much or what can we do to, I mean, all the, the single children, the children that was raised in single homes can't mm-hmm. necessarily write a book. So you hear every single account and every single perspective. But right. um, what can we do beyond just write our stories in a book to curve that, that mm-hmm. drastic 80 percent? No, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. So I, I so think we're expecting them to grow up to be healthy, balanced individuals that contribute right. to society. Right. So what we're doing now is, I think, a, a great start and it's necessary. And that is talking about it, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. dialogue, um, throwing issues out and, and, and getting diverse perspectives on the issues. So, yeah. for instance, one of the terms that you've mentioned um, a, a couple of times so far is toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that's been written about that in, in the media, um, a lot of research about it. It's a really popular term, and it's a term that I happen to reject. But I think mm-hmm. that it's a conversation that needs to be had um, because I think there are a lot of um, subversive racial undertones um, to that term. Yeah, and, and I also think that um, the term is more likely than not used to describe Black men, and the term was not authored by Black people. So I'm really hesitant when, when I hear terms like that being used because I want to know where it came from, who is it targeted at, and, and what is the ultimate purpose. So a lot of times yeah. what, what the things that, that fall under that are, are characteristics and qualities that um, are byproducts of being oppressed and byproducts yeah. of poverty and byproducts of lack of opportunity byproduct mm. being raised by a single mother who who probably whether she realized it or not taught her kids her sons to respond to conflict in a certain way the only way that she knows how which yeah. is how a woman would would uh, respond to conflict and and deal with conflict so a lot of times our boys are modeling that and that's being labeled as toxic masculinity so um, you know, I think we need to have the discussions. We need to get to the root of what's going on. Um, we need to decide um, as a society and as a culture um, at all the different levels of culture, whether you're talking about um, society as a whole, you're talking about Black America, you're talking about hip hop culture, you're talking about inner city America. There's all these different sub levels, right? But mm-hmm. at that level, we have to decide what is it that we want for our communities. What is it that we want for our families? What is it? What What is our goal in terms of our men? What's acceptable and what's not acceptable, generally speaking, because we're not monolithic. Everybody's not going to be the same and, and do the same exact things. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But in terms of there being a general, um, a general idea of success, yeah. which for me, I'm talking about having our kids reach their potential and being the best that they could be for the most part. Um, We have to decide that that's important and then agree that we have to work together to make progress and to get, you know, get to the the points that the point that we want to get to. 
but so so going back to um the word the phrase toxic masculinity mm-hmm. uh i agree that we are in a space right now where we are hell bent on calling a thing a thing or something by something you know, and being somebody who works in a school uh, as a teacher, I'm mm-hmm. watching therapists who are full-time employees at schools now, where it used to just be a counselor or um, a guidance counselor, and that was it. Now mm-hmm. these are their actual, like in the school that I have, there's a whole department with therapists there. And my school yeah. only goes to the second grade. So just imagine now, what people are trying to do. And I understand trying to classify behavior, but we're giving things terms that before didn't have one. I think it's helpful, but at the same time, a a term like toxic masculinity has so many different meanings. And I don't like the fact that it's a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all have on some level, some behavior that contributes to that term but i again I'm, I'm also a person that don't like a bunch of terminology because again counselors therapists psychologists are now running our communities right and everybody is being labeled something so that means something's wrong with you and it can uh, be weaponized if, and, right. it, and it often weaponized against us um so mm-hmm. i'll give you a perfect example of that that i know you could speak to given what you do and, and your closeness to schools and young mm-hmm. in schools, if you you can have a, a bunch of experiences with young boys, and if you're in in an inner city area, they're likely to be black or Hispanic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have temper issues, who have issues with fighting and violence, and someone from the outside looking in could label that as toxic masculinity, right? Mm-hmm. Or they got it from someone who has toxic masculinity. Exactly. When in actuality, from my perspective, what you're looking at is a child who has not been taught conflict resolution skills. Mm -hmm. Because most adults have poor conflict resolution skills, right? Right. You're you're more than at a child who has temper issues because he hasn't been taught patience and understanding because he's probably in a household where patience and understanding are not modeled to him. Right. So Mm -hmm. human traits and characteristics um, that are learned, we're not born with them. They're taught and they're learned that we have a whole class of young boys, young black boys in America that are not being taught specific things for lots of different reasons. Right. And my fear is that those young boys who are exhibiting certain behaviors because they simply have not been taught and have not seen certain things modeled to them either in their house mm-hmm. or communities, right? They're right. being labeled. And when they become teenagers, the label, they're being labeled further. When they become young adults, they're being labeled mm-hmm. as toxic. Yeah. Right. And so I would, in, in trying to like think through that issue, it dawned on me that I would never take the worst qualities of all the women I know and mm. late as toxic femininity. Right. I, I wouldn't right. think, I think that would be wrong. Right. Because femininity is one thing and the negative traits that women exhibit mm-hmm. group of women exhibit is, right. is another. I wouldn't, I would be very 
hesitant to merge the two. It so, happens, but it, it it does. I think it happens from both sides, actually. Mm-hmm. But it's just been a push from community to yeah. actually label it as toxic masculinity. Right. You wouldn't naturally do that because of no matter what your experience, how harsh it may be from the perspective of a man to a woman, mm-hmm. we still have a certain level of respect that won't allow us to necessarily group all people together. And I think people do that on both sides, regardless. But again, it it just feels like this push, not only, and and I think it stemmed from trying to understand men to now, you know what, I don't got time for this. This is what this is with no solution behind it. Right. With with little to no solution. And I always say, especially as black men, we normally get help when it's time for you to step in, the, when it's your, your job takes over. Right. That's when you normally see the help or the reach out for men start to happen. Criminal justice. But prior, but prior to that, there's no real, there's starting to be, but there has been so many programs to prevent uh, women from being labeled toxic or to help them prevent subsequent situations from happening. But again, men normally get that help when they're too far gone. I am, this is the first time I've ever taught elementary school and I am seeing pre-K, kindergarten, first grade and second grade. I'm seeing behavior in children that scares me Mm -hmm. because I've never, I've been with high schoolers and middle school and we all know middle schoolers are another breed of their own at that age, but then once they get to high school, you see a more adult-like aggression coming from them. But we mm-hmm. rarely see that in pre-K, kindergarten, elementary school in general. But at yeah. some point, you know, something has to be mis, you know, okay, let's stop this. Let's stop mm-hmm. all the labeling. Let's stop all the identifying markers and figure out what can what's going on. Yes. You know, especially on the side of, because I'm meeting a lot of fathers, Mm-hmm. And it's, it's scary. And you are yeah. understanding where their the children's behavior is then coming from. Right. But but how do we address that? Because if, if we're, if we're going to deal with the child, we got to deal with their parents. If we're mm-hmm. deal with their parents, you got to deal with their parents. So at where where in this line of succession do we start or how do we effectively try to capture all all of it? Right. So I'm a big believer in holistic healing and taking uh, holistic approaches to solving problems. So mm-hmm. I feel like the, for the group of people all over the world that care about other people, right? We right. find our different professions with different skill sets and different gifts. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are lawyers. Some of us are social workers, mm-hmm. are bankers. You know, some of us, you know, are just, you know, entrepreneurs in different areas, but whatever area you're in, you have the ability to impact people. You have the ability to touch people, right? So, and you also have the ability to push certain agendas and push um, the, the private sector and the government to do certain things and to address certain issues. Mm. And I think, Everybody in all of these different areas and walks of life working together um, is really it's, it's necessary. So in schools, for instance, like we, we can no longer do things like teach to the test um, is something that, you know, has right. 
phased out. We can no longer do things like just drop labels on kids um, mm-hmm. and socially promote. Like we, what, what we found over time is that we have to actually dig deeper to find out what the real issue is. No, it's not these kids are, are just born evil. It's not that they're, you know, they're incapable of learning. Many, if not most of these kids are extremely bright. Yeah. They have they're extremely promising futures and tons of potential, but yeah. it's being stunted by the circumstances that they live in, the circumstances they were born into. And so we have to reach out to parents. We have to touch parents. Um, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book is because I wanted to, um, I, I realized that most of the books, if not all of them, that were written on this topic, they were written by psychiatrists, mm-hmm. um, you know, people who were outside for, yeah. for like, outside. May not of, even have children. Right. Might not have children and, and, and don't, and, and are detached from, uh, from the trenches, so to speak, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And there were none that I could find that were actually written by uh, a male, first of all, and also a male who actually was raised by a single mother. So um, that's why I wanted to get in there and and do something that would be for moms, right. you know, not from a perspective of somebody that's trying to diagnose you or your kid or prescribe medication or um, oh, admonish you and tell you how to right, be a parent. They mm-hmm. or admonish you for being a terrible parent or judge you for being a terrible parent. Mm-hmm. Um, do I talk about accountability? Yes. Do I talk about enabling and what right. that look, the consequences of that are? Yes. Um, I talk about the difference between loving and spoiling. I talk about how you create a quote unquote monster for a, into you know from a boy to a teenage mm-hmm. child that has no discipline, has no structure that you can't give instruction to, that you have no control over, right? There, there's That doesn't happen when a boy turns 15. That's mm-hmm. a process that has happened over the prior 15 years, right? So I talk about all of those things and, and also talk about what it means to raise a goal-oriented son and how you go about doing that. Um, with the book covers the value of mentoring uh, because like you mentioned earlier, uh, the man in the house or the man in the child's life isn't always going to be a biological father, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. It could be mm-hmm. another. It could be a step parent. It could be people in the church. It could yeah. be people in the community. Um, it could be, um, you know, it, it could be a lot mentors of mentors or coaches. Oh. And that, that was my experience. It was often men that had that came in in different parts of my life or mm-hmm. you know at, at some point it was a stepdad or you know so it, it's various people I'm, I'm i'm gonna say a little bit so after reading your book it made me think of another book that i had read and i was probably like in my early 20s when i read this book and it was a story about a young man who met his father for the first time and he was probably like nine or ten and that that feeling of meeting your dad and this person who you had not known about and you've been told very little bits and pieces about and that idea of uh, what that would feel like. And I remember reading your book and kind of thinking, and it wasn't that your book was like that, but 
it made me think of that first book that I read. And one, the perspective of the book were the same. It's both from the child's perspective. Okay. And, and that's what made me kind of connect it. Uh, but I remember reading that book and just feeling angry because it wasn't my story and just put off because it wasn't my story. It did, it, yeah. That fairy tale ending didn't happen for me. Um, and and just feeling crazy. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, like you said, there are plenty of different books out there on in various perspectives, whether it's just a fictional book that someone writes about an account or someone's actual true story or some therapist somewhere. But I think people don't want to recognize the child's perspective uh, and just wanting to um, write a lot of the wrongs. And you can't often do that when you're when you're the child or the person that grows up from that child but just how do we address the individuals that's going through it um yeah. in in a collective way because it's not just children uh but these are grown people uh mm -hmm. adults often that are having the most effect because you're growing up in that i hate to use the word toxic manner and it's just you're recycling that same hurt you're recycling that same lack of knowledge or resources or accountability in your yeah. life. And now it's on you. It, it often feels like right now, uh, a lot of parents, for whatever reason, are just trying to get their child to 18. If I can get you to 18, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm done. I'm, I, I'm finished. We'll say that, you know, um, but but you raise another good point. Um, mm -hmm. It's not just about what is being done wrong because this is the other thing I, w I wanted to address in the book as well there are mm -hmm. a lot that single mothers are doing right and have been doing right for the past mm -hmm. 10 20 30 years right and how how amazing for a, a boy who's now a man to look back and say you know what mom because you did this now right. i'm successful in this area of life so right. thank you thank you for having the foresight to do that an mm. easy would me for my mother would be saving money my mother okay. all taught me the value of saving money she drilled it into me from the time i was like a little boy it was like you know i'm taking you to the bank this is your savings account you have a bank book so you can deposit your 25 cents your $20 that you got for a birthday and you can watch your money and you can see the interest that you're going to get and you can watch it grow. So now your $500 is $510 because you gained interest on your money. Mm -hmm. My mother's parents did not do that for her, but for whatever reason, she had the insight and the foresight to teach me and my brother that idea, that concept. That's an amazing thing that has carried me into adulthood. And now mm -hmm. I have children and I'm teaching them economic awareness and, and, and financial literacy right. on a much higher level, but still the seeds and the foundation were planted by my mother. So it's that's not a good. That's a good perspective, though, to yeah. and many, especially for the child or the adult that was the child. Mm -hmm. Tell me something. Something, something positive about that relationship or or the parent that was there. Tell me something positive. Yeah. You know, think of something and that can kind of not necessarily heal all the hurt, but it can be a good starting point. And then even the way that they think about what the problems were. Because yes. now you you had certain issues, but you were able to anchor that with, well, I got these lessons. 
-hmm. And because all of this stuff was wrong, it made it a little bit easier to deal with because I had these foundation markers or these types of things that helped me. But I, I never thought about that as a perspective, but that's definitely a great one. Yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned how um, there were, it wasn't your biological father, but there was another man there. Like mm -hmm. that's another thing my mom did is she always kept men, positive men around me. Right. So, but that's the key word. Yeah. And this isn't a, a game, a lottery. You mm -hmm. need to do your research. As parents, single parents, do the research when you're out there looking for uh, individuals to bring in your children. Like, whether it's the dad bringing women in their life or right. women, mothers bringing men in, really mm -hmm. do your homework on these people because they could actually do more damage to your child than good. Absolutely. So who they are. Being in the criminal justice system, I can tell you firsthand that uh, at the top of the list in terms of if you were to rank perpetrators of child molestation, um, many, many times it's someone that the mom has brought around the child. Mm. And that, that's just, um, that's just a, a reality of our society that's really unfortunate, but right. something that we have control over. Right. And I think as if, if we force these conversations and become more comfortable having them, um, things will get better. Like I've mm -hmm. seen women on social media make comments about, you know, being careful who you bring around your kid. Don't just let yeah. anybody babysit your kids. Don't just don't let anybody influence your kids. So these these conversations and these books and, and us sharing our experiences and putting them out into the atmosphere, it does have a positive effect because that's where you start to influence minds and, and influence ideas. And everyone's mm -hmm. not with you. You're going to put your book out and somebody is going to have something negative to say about your book. But you know what? It's not mm -hmm. for everybody to understand immediately. It's not for everybody to like it immediately. Um, mm -hmm. You have a greater purpose in mind. And right. I think what's most important. For, for, for individuals, speaking to men out there, can you give any advice um, to young Black men who were in our situation who may have had a kind of shaky upbringing in terms of being adults now and how to go about adulting when you were missing big chunks of lessons or uh, information and such? Mm -hmm. Can you do you um, give advice to them in terms of how to pursue the information or um, lessons that right. kind of close in some of those gaps? Right. Um, some things that come to mind are always be thinking about growing and evolving. And so mm. with growth and evolution, the, the interesting thing about those concepts is that we typically don't know where we're going or what right. we're going to grow into or what we're going to evolve into. We don't typically have the answers, but that's the thing is you don't have to have all the answers. And I think that's something that once you become comfortable with that fact, then mm -hmm. that's a big boulder out of the way. But, okay. but the idea is that you're always striving to be a better version of yourself tomorrow than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that, there are certain things that are implicit in manhood that if you weren't taught them, now is still your responsibility 
to go get the information and it's still your responsibility to be evolving and to be growing. And right. so that reading, it means seeking out positive, um, positive people to be around and positive influences. If, so if, if you want to learn how to make more money, um, if you want to learn how to, you know, hold down a steady job, if you want to learn how to be an entrepreneur, if you want to learn how to be a good father or a good parent, when you see those things, seek those people out, talk to those people, right? Um, don't be afraid. Well, I won't say don't be afraid because um, I think that's a misnomer. I would mm -hmm. say conquer your fear of not knowing things or looking like you don't know or being perceived like you don't know everything. Right. Conquer of uh, needing help, conquer your fear of being rejected, mm -hmm. conquer your fear of being vulnerable, yeah. right? So, um, and and the last thing I would say, which goes, which circles back to uh, the meme that, that you mentioned earlier in the broadcast is um, seek to understand yourself and understand mm. that Every man has um, a emotional, mental, and spiritual component mm -hmm. to him, just as important as the physical. So mm -hmm. just as important as how strong you are physically and how good you look and how much money you have in your pocket. Equally, if not more important than that physical is your emotional and spiritual and mental well-being. And, and that's really what's going to make the difference between uh, a man that um, is good material to be somebody's life partner, a man that's going to be good material to be um, a, a good father and raise mm. good kids, a man that's going to make the world around him and his, his, particularly his community a better place. And, it, and I, I think that is, we don't, we, we're not retort that. We're, we're, because we're normally men are the sum of their parts yeah. and in terms of their physical parts right. and what they physically can show you um, and everything else is what is lacking in them. Um, and I, I never, you know, that, that's been a part of my growth to find my balance in life, not just my physical self, but like, like you said, the spiritual, your internal, all those things that we don't see in yeah. ourselves as men are, is what we should, seek to look for and find right. in our journey and I, I don't think we we think beyond the physical manifestation of who we are or the sum of our parts being more than just something physical and mm -hmm. it's, it's not it has to be more than that and I, and I think a lot of us cross that 18 year old 21 25 and 30 and beyond threshold and then we start looking for me it was 30. Because I didn't go, I thought everything was physical. The job I had, you know, the home I had, those those materialistic things. And then at some point, if, if you ever lose those things, who mm -hmm. are you then? And, and then you begin to realize that I'm more than, because I'm still here. I just don't have those things anymore. So who am I now compared right. to what I thought I could be or was with those things? Um, and I think that's a hard lesson for us to get. Um, a lot of the conversations that I'm, I want to go into next year having 
in this in this uh, vein as I prepare for my book and as I just seek my own self fulfillment and balance. I want to definitely begin to have conversations on worth, you know, finding our worth and and, and your mental wellness and your mental balance and though how those two things are often parts of the puzzle that we don't necessarily know we don't have right because you have to know something in order to question it and we don't normally connect those two things with you know what's wrong or or filling in the blanks uh or those open spaces um in terms of your book um will you continue to write books in this in this lane or uh will we see other things from you so i'm actually working on a, my second book now and it's mm-hmm. going to be a, a book of meditations directed and focused specifically for men okay when i say meditations what i'm referring to is um concepts and themes and ideas and philosophies of life um, that we can address and take a look at and examine from an from an introspective space one mm-hmm. by every single day and, mm-hmm. and just mentioned how we are the sum of many parts you know you you can literally think of a thousand different aspects of uh not only personality but um what it what it means to be a man mm-hmm. um, come together to formulate who you are and i think most of the time unfortunately we move through life never being introspective about most of those things, you know, mm. because distracted by the physical only, we're distracted by the pressure to provide, the pressure to make money, the pressure to um, get degrees, the pressure mm. to even and accomplish things, um, the pressure to, to be a good parent or to be a good boyfriend or a good husband, um, the pressure mm. to, you know, the pressure to be perfect, you know, there's all these different pressures that that distract us from delving into who we really are and right. what our purpose is. And we normally have to hit rock bottom to even begin to even not be distracted and to think about those other more important elements of who yeah. we are. And that's, that, that's the part that is heartbreaking that, you know, I've watched men have to hit below rock bottom. In order to even consider uh, evolving or growing or or not being the stereotype uh, or the typical or falling into that, well, if that's what they think about me, I'm gonna just I'm gonna be who I am, and that's it. Right. You know, um, so that those are things that I I, I just and it, maybe because I grew up in a family and I have nine uncles and you know. Um, a lot of single moms and you know my own experiences being a man uh yeah. and growing up as a black man that just makes me feel so compelled to fix this problem and it's is not one answer to it because there's not one person connected to it but it's so many elements that i, I don't think there's enough attention we put more attention to subsequent teen pregnancies than we do helping young men to be um great men and and right. often those things would not teen pregnancy or uh diseases would not happen mm-hmm. if you had healthier balanced men and women yeah and it it's it, this thing of 
Well, and this this trend is to help all black men. And, and we have a trend this year to help only. And we keep going back and forth. But like yeah. this disease that we're in, if until you contain the whole thing, right. you're going to keep having these outbreaks on both sides. You're and so it's, right. It's, you're it's so right. Crazy. Yep. So it's do you like, have a son? Yeah, I have a son and a daughter. So um, how are, but, and, and that's a balanced situation. So how, what information are you given? Is it one way you talk to your son or one way you talk to your daughter? Not to put you on the hot seat, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I talk to them both a lot, probably too much, if, if you ask that. <laughs> I'm really open and transparent uh, mm-hmm. with my, I talk to them about life. I talk to them about their future. Um, I, I talk to them about the fact that I'm not always going to be there. Mm. Uh, talk to them in a way that um, I try to foster understanding and okay. opposed to obedience because um, I, I recognize that as a an old school way of parenting. I'll, I'll call label it old school because that's what our parents knew. That's what our gra- our grandparents knew. Um, mm that the most important thing for kids was obedience. Um, and, you know, some would say respect, but I think that oftentimes there was a, there's a, there's a fine line between respect and obedience, right? You might obey somebody, but that doesn't mean that you actually respect them. Right. Um, so that um, there's a, a, a greater understanding that we have in this generation of the value of having our kids actually understand things as opposed to Mm -hmm. just and you know i I just do my best to parent from that perspective and you know time will tell you know in Mm -hmm. in terms kind of adults my 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 children become but you know i feel like i'm on i'm on the right track and i feel like i'm also building on the foundation that my mother laid and even my father to an extent you know um Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, that that's one of the reasons I feel like it's no matter who your father is, it's so important for a kid to know who his father is and to know what kind of person he is. Um, and not just the negative stuff, but the positive stuff, too, because he he's always going to be whether he's there or not. He's always going to be a part of a part of you. Right. You know, in your well, person that you're seeking and don't even realize it. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. and even understand yourself you know you Mm -hmm. can't fully understand yourself if you don't know where you came from yeah so so is there is it's highly relevant it's very important um and i just you know i try to be open with them also about my mistakes and when i mess up um i I try to make sure that i apologize when i should be apologizing because i want Mm -hmm. them to understand the that it's okay to make mistakes. Um, It's not okay to not acknowledge when you make mistakes and it's not okay to not grow from your mistakes. Um, But those are just a few of the things that, that I And it's okay to make mistakes. That's a part of the learning process is the mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So the the only, the only thing you should feel bad about is not learning from your mistake. That's what I tell them. Mm, That it, I I think you need to be teaching classes because, uh, it's, it's hard. It's, it's very hard, especially when you know that you're lacking. Once you realize you're lacking in yeah. things, um, it's really hard to have that type of accountability as an individual man, whether you're a parent or not. It's hard to have that level of accountability because we spend a lot of our 
transitional period, um, blaming. We've and we've never a lot of blaming. Because that's what we've been modeled. You know, mm-hmm. if if you if you are a 13, 14, 15 year old boy who's never seen accountability, you don't know what accountability looks like. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. If 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 you have if you've never had your mother come to you the next day and say, you know what? Yesterday we got into it and mm-hmm. I opened because I was upset. Right. Right. It might seem like a real simple thing, but it's a really big deal. If you mm-hmm. if 17 years old and you've never seen that in your entire mm-hmm. life, then how do you know to do it? How do you that, know? That, but that went into me. Like for me, I didn't. And I'm, I'm breaking myself of the habit. But for me, I don't even like people to apologize to me because it, I learned my learned behavior was that apologies came when you got caught doing something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't you don't apologize if you don't get caught or mm-hmm. you can't prove that that person did you wrong. Yeah. So as an adult, I I wasn't even into apologies. You was like, save, save that apology. Yeah, it. save it because you <laughs> only, you got caught and yeah. I was able to prove that you did this. Mm-hmm. So that's why you are, you know, and it became an argument, you know, <laughs> that, you know, that I had to put out to say, well, this is why, this is how I know. And this is what, and it, it was very destructive because I couldn't even receive compassion or accountability. I couldn't receive it. I couldn't. Yeah. I didn't know how to read because I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Right. So if you don't see these things happening, it becomes very hard for people to even receive it. Yeah. And, and, and so and you, you raised that's a really good point. So let's say you're a child who when you did things that were wrong, whether mm-hmm. it was or intentional and, and you got caught and you were really remorseful, like think of a, a eight year old boy and you you. You knock something over and you break it because you're playing in a room you're playing in, right? Bust out of tears. I'm so sorry. Right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're, you're, you're scared. You're, you're uh-huh. truly remorseful. And you go to your parent and your parents' re- reaction is, get the F out of my face. You get beat, right? Um, so or you, you become sp- secretive or sneaky. Right? And, mm. and, and that's it. That's the resolution of that situation. And you're mm-hmm. in. What, think that that doesn't translate into what kind of teenager that boy is going to be, or and then what kind of man that boy is going to be mm-hmm. is just doesn't make sense. Now, if you take that same boy and let's say the parent, whether it's a single mom or dad or not mm-hmm. even single, but whichever, um, has that response and then comes back the next day and says, "You know what? Um, I." I overreacted yesterday. I was I, I was angry, but mm-hmm. I still love you. I'm not pleased with what you did. And mm-hmm. if the boy's older, you might even make him uh, pay for what he broke, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not pleased with what you did. You're going to pay for it, but I love you. And I'm sorry that I overreacted. Mm-hmm. Or I cursed you out, you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to a moment when I was really young and I was at a birthday party mm-hmm. and I and I broke a lamp. We were playing with a, a balloon and yeah. I broke a lamp uh, and I I went off like tears was coming <laughs> from every pore of my body. And the way my friend mom handled it was very different than what my, how my mom would handle it. Mm-hmm. And I, I I found myself in the middle of my tears like she not mad at me. She you thought. Twilight Zone. <laughs> I thought it was over, lights out. 
Yeah. Uh, but I, I realized that there, and, and even my relationship with my mom or with my dad, it was just, you know, it, it, it has taken me so long to understand certain aspects of who people are mm-hmm. and not knowing where they came from and learning what the, the, the process was for them when they were my age yeah. and understanding that we had two completely different childhoods and, and I, I skated through and got the easy side of it, but still, yet and still, there were still things that were wrong that, that I, I had to learn how to, as an adult, move past and get through and just understand as a black man, society sees you as this. That's mm-hmm. it's nothing you can change in people and their and their mindsets, but you can change how you react and what you see and how you see things. Right. And that may influence somebody's, you know, uh, perspective to change. But again, that's, <laughs> you know, I and, and once I had asked you to do the show, I decided to read the your book again. And, and it really just based off where I'm at right now as a black man and my mm-hmm. creativity and my work, it really. Um, it just sounded different. I've read it the first time because you were a guest. And the second time I, I've read it because you're a guest. But in mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and me understanding life, I was just at a different space when I first met you. Right. Versus right. where I'm at now because I'm ready to tell my story. So mm-hmm. I was I was on the ride with you this time yeah. more so than the first time. And I, I want I want people to read the book. If you're a single parent, if you were raised by a single parent. If you're not even a parent yet, but you want to be a parent, read the book because you understand your decisions really have lasting effects, good, bad, or indifferent. They have lasting effects on children and how they see things and how they experience life. You know, I'm on a, I'm, you know, I was taught by my life coach, the decisions you make now won't really show up in your life until five to 10 years later. So in five to 10 years, you broke and you don't know how to hold on to money. Look back five to 10 years ago. What were you doing with money? Right. And those results are now why you have debt now, why, why you have trouble now or in mm-hmm. relationships, why they are right now. Your decisions that you make right now have lasting effects. And imagine if you are in charge of a child. Very true. And, and, and also imagine not having a counterbalance in the raising of a child, right? So mm-hmm. there's going to be a parent that makes the wrong decision, handles the situation the wrong way, or, mm-hmm. you know, and, but sometimes it just takes another adult influence to be the, the, the counterbalance to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so if you're in an environment where there is no counterbalance to right. mess up and when you make mistakes and when you overreact and when you misanalyze things and, you know, then mm-hmm. your, your child pays the price of that. So mm. as a society, we have to make a decision. Does that matter? How much does it matter? And so, you know, I, I, I produced a documentary called The Raising of the Sun that's on the festival circuit right now. And one of the major questions I asked with that documentary is, what is fatherhood? Mm. And does it even matter? Because I think that we're, we're still in a place right now in society where um, especially if you look at Black American society, where we have a consensus. We used to have a consensus, but we no longer have a consensus on whether or not fatherhood is valuable, right? Mm, or necessary. And, 
or necessary. It's valuable and then is it necessary? And then if you don't think it's that valuable or if you think the value in it is minimal, then mm. you're more likely to decide that it's not necessary. And then you're more likely to make life choices that reflect that you don't think is necessary. So I think mm. there's um, a disconnect in terms of our internal society. There's there's disconnects along the lines of gender sometimes um, mm. about whether or not that's something that we should be fighting for, whether or not it's something that's valuable, um, and whether or not it has a, a positive or negative impact on society. So I am mm-hmm. really strongly about um, pr- preserving family and protecting family and mm-hmm. that men, women, everybody, if you really love your people, then you won't act in a way that's destructive to family, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever and, and, and family doesn't always look exactly the same for everybody, but if, if anybody who's pushing a message that is divisive in terms of our men and our women, then I always look really critically upon that um, because I want to know what your agenda is. And is, mm-hmm. if your agenda is anti-family, then I have to question whether or not your priority um, is our kids. Mm. And it, But a lot of that, you still have to value what's destructive and you have to have a certain values or uh, knowledge to know that your behavior is destructive. Right. To even want to improve on that or want to do better or want to have better for yourself and the people that you are in relationship with. What you're saying to me Communication is really key in all of this and how we communicate with our children will determine how they then will communicate with us. Communication, education is important. Like I'm always reading, I'm always researching like, Mm -hmm. and, and you also like, you can't be afraid to get to, to get outside of the thought bubble that most of Mm -hmm. us, right. So most of us talk to, hang around, read, or watch people that agree with what we agree with and that think like we think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're not, you're not going to get better or grow doing that either. So, right. um, you know, it's, of course, it's easier said than done, but mm-hmm. we have to push each other and push ourselves to to be growing in that way and to really be looking critically and thinking critically on the messages that were given and the agendas that are pushed our way and Mm -hmm. the ideas that are thrown at us and and that we're asked to carry flags for you know i'm I'm, there there are very few flags i'm willing to carry And, and when i look at you know our community as a whole whether you're looking at it through um the the lens of twitter or instagram or facebook Mm -hmm. Um, or if you're looking at it through real life relationships and conversations with people, we, we carry, we're carrying a lot of flags for a lot of causes and a lot of work and a lot of ideologies that don't speak directly to the, the successful future of our children. So as, as people like you and me who, um, are in the trenches and are touching, (laughs) touching kids 
and, you know, touching real parts of our communities, um, we have to, one, be examples of that. And we also have to hold people around us accountable when we see that they're not doing that. So, uh, and like Tom, Tom goes on and we run out of time, but uh, I have a couple more questions for you. Where are you now with, uh, I don't don't think I want to call it healing, but with your growth and, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is years after, you know, becoming a man and now a dad and a a successful individual in his own right. Where are you now with your um, growth? Is this something you're still working on or where Definitely are you with it? working on it. I think it's something that I'll probably be working on it for the rest of my life. Um, I am definitely in a, a way, if I look at, look back at my life in like chunks of time um, from being a, a teenager to my early 20s, to my late 20s, to my 30s, mm-hmm. um, there's definitely been an evolution. Um, okay. My relationship, I actually have a relationship with my father now mm-hmm. uh, where I can pick up the phone and call him and see how he's doing. And okay. he'll think with me. And for me, that's that's so that's so amazing, you know, mm-hmm. because there was a point in my life where that that did not exist. You know, um, and it could have been it could have went the other way and you all would have ran out of town. Definitely. And for a lot of people, it does. A lot of mm-hmm. people there. They never bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, ever like the anger is too great, the fear is too great. Um, I've the known time people, was too big, gap the time yeah, gap was too much, right? Or time is too short, and the person passes away. Mm-hmm. I've known people personally that didn't want to upset their mother, so they kept a wall between themselves and their father because mm-hmm. bad. And this is yeah. not is this is like into adulthood, like grown, grown, grown people. Um, and I just feel like that's, it's really unfortunate, but it happens. Um, mm. Everybody has to really just dig, um, you know, introspectively and figure out for themselves, you know, what, what, what their root of growth, what growth looks like for them, what progress looks like for them mm. uh, and what they're willing to confront and tackle. Because a lot of times it's painful, it's hurtful, it's uncomfortable, um, it's awkward, you know. Mm. Yeah, it. It. I mean, you said. I think you've said a lot of what many of us, and you put it in such a great way, uh, what a lot of us feel. Um, but again, even if it hurts you in that moment, not like physically someone's hurting you, but if it hurts you in terms of memory, experience where your emotions are, even when it hurts, mm-hmm. go forth. And now I'm just, and I'm speaking over myself right now yeah. uh, because I'm telling you until this book became an actual factual thing in my life, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, I didn't think twice about rekindling relationships because I am one of those people who my dad died young. So mm-hmm. I didn't get that chance to scold him or ask the questions yeah. or forgive yeah. face to face. Uh, so it, it, it was just something I thought I was going to have to live with. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until my, uh, my mom had a stroke about eight years ago that she said to me in her, uh, and I see you, you know, um, she, I taught her how to be a parent and I was angry for the first couple of hours that she said that, 
uh, because you didn't know what you were doing. How dare you? But then the realization that I was I at that moment was older than she was when she had me. So the things that I was still at 31 or 30, uh, like, yeah, like 30, 31, still trying to figure out and imagine, you know, if I, I can only imagine my mother had when she was 23, I can only imagine the crazy that I was at 23. Yeah. Which, um, and, and learning to forgive for you. It, it will benefit the other person in many cases, but forgiving for you, forgiving yourself for being angry, for be, forgiving yourself for holding resentment and just moving forward. Like that is, is it's a powerful, and you can, it's easy to say that, but I know it's not easy to actually to, to do. It's, uh, it's so true. Like I, the weight that I don't carry around anymore because I made amends. Mm-hmm had uh, like man-to-man conversations with my father is right it's unbelievable and you'd mm. be might not be surprised how many adults are walking around carrying the weight of resentment and hate um, how many children yeah. are walking around with that now yeah definitely mm-hmm. and it's, it's 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 really sad it's more sad for children i think but for adults, we have the ability and the opportunity to do something about that. Um, so in terms of, you know, your earlier question about, like, what would I advise men or say to men? That's one of the things I would do is deal with the issues that relate to your father and mm-hmm. deal with that relate to your mother. You know, mm-hmm. a lot, lot of the, the um, explanation as to why young men are the way they are and act how they act and think how they think, go directly to their mother and how they feel about their mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their mother did and didn't do for them when they were raising them. So as, as men, well, and also for fathers, if the father even wasn't there in terms of abandonment and all of that. So one of the things that, that, um, that is important for manhood is facing your demons and Mm. and that might require you to go sit on somebody's couch that might require you to uh, to really face the hard questions about why i treat women this way why i treat men this way why do my relationships always end this way you know Mm. why things keep happening to me why i keep finding myself at this moment Am I a a perpetual victim, right? If you're a person that's a perpetual victim, and we all know perpetual victims, right? Mm. Uh, There's, there's, it's just a matter of time before you, like you said, you might, you hit rock bottom and you realize that the common denominator is me. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm angry at myself because I didn't, I didn't know how much you were going to give in this moment. And I, uh, Tom just didn't allow for it. And um, I I really want to talk to you in terms of how to present this beyond how we both have done it. But really, because it's it's something that I didn't know how heavy it was on me until I started this new chapter in my life. And I I realized how it uh, how unaffected I had pretended to be for so long. 
And, and that healing process is hard and it's really direct. But I, I would definitely want to talk to you further. Can you tell us where we can find your book? Uh, and will we be able to see the documentary soon or? Yeah, so, so you can find the book on Amazon.com. Um, mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, put in my name, Mervyn Bourne, or A Single Mother's Guide to Raising a Son. Mm-hmm. Uh, documentary will be available sometime in 2021. Right okay. now, it's still, um, on the festival circuit. Um, it's doing really well. Um, it's been accepted into five or so festivals so far. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And um, it, it, it won... Uh, recently, the um, Donald E. Lacey Jr. Social Justice Award from the Studio City Film Festival, which is uh, in Hollywood, California. Wow. Congratulations, we're, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we're, we're really proud of um, the, the, the way it's being received so far. And in 2021, we'll be figuring out, you know, distribution and, and how to actually get it to the people. Well, when it becomes a movie, I'm just saying I'm an actor. So let me know what my role is going to be. I wrote role is going to be actually. Um, I got a script finished, so um, I'll, I'll. You've be, been working. You've been working, man. Yeah, yeah. So um, um, I'll I'll have some some things cooking over over the next you know twelve to eighteen months connected. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I can be found on like I said on Amazon. You can find the book. You can find me through my website mervinborn.com. Mm-hmm. Um, all social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram um, under, you know, at Mervyn Bourne or at Mervyn A. Bourne Jr. And I, I'm a definitely, I'm going to put that link up on on this uh, video as well so people would know where to be able to get it from. It's a great read. Um, if you're a single mom, if you're a child that's, you know, that can get a book, get that book. If you're a dad, if you're an adult, uh, please get it because it's really a great read, very informative. Thank you, sir, for coming Thank by. You. I really Fun. appreciate you. And we're going to have that conversation soon, I promise. And if you have the time, let me know because there are plenty of questions as an author and in this topic that I, I want to ask you. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, make, I'll, I'll make time. And, and I encourage moms to ask me questions, women to ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything that's connected to an open dialogue and an exchange and, and everybody learning and growing um, for, for a, a good cause um, and for the benefit of our kids, I'm, I'm down with it. Okay. Thank you, sir. This has been the Artist Exchange Radio Show with Mr. Mervyn Bourne. I found him on Facebook and Instagram at Mervyn Bourne and or Instagram, I think it's Mervyn Bourne Jr. And it's at the bottom of the screen. Find him, support him, and... Uh, be encouraging. Follow this man's mission. Uh, so that's, again, that's been an Artist Exchange Radio Show. Up next is the Cocktail Social uh, podcast. So please stay tuned. Stay locked in for that. Uh, again, thank you, sir. Much love. Much thank respect. You. And stay safe all in those streets, sir. Appreciate it. You do the same. Thank you all. Thanks. Bye. I'll message you after two All right.